Iowa everywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Live from the Channel Seed Studios. Channel Seed Studios. This is Jared and Jabo and Iowa, Iowa Everywhere. Where? Jared Stansberry. Jared Stansberry. Jordan Bohannon. Jordan Bohannon. Together on Iowa Everywhere. Channel Seed. Seedsmanship at work. Yo, welcome to the podcast. It's Thursday, June 22nd. I've already recorded two podcasts this morning. Jordan Bohannon, uh, this is now podcast number three. So I hope you've got some energy to carry this thing. I always have energy. You know what's so funny? Like You texted me. I texted you last night. We were trying to figure out a time to record. And then you you go and say you have two podcasts in front of me. Am I am I turning into a, a little side piece? Am I am I your side piece, Jared? Well, unfortunately, this podcast does not pay my bills. <laughs> so. Uh, so I regret to inform you that yes, you are my podcast side piece because the other podcasts that I had to record do pay my bills. So it, it just sucks. I have to I have to learn it the hard way when you know man to man. You couldn't just tell me. It took, well, it, took, it took you. I did flat tell you. I did tell you, man to man. But it, but it took it took you almost a year after doing this. <laughs> just sad, you know. Just the people you thought were in your corner aren't. It took it took you almost a year to tell me that this podcast that you make for make a uh, hundred dollars a week does not is not your number one priority in life. Hey, I don't know. I, 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 I really don't know. I'm, I'm not in your finances. So was, uh, was this your number one priority when you were playing professional basketball? Okay. Well, that that's different. I'm working as a professional journalist. How's that not different? Yeah, but similar. Those two jobs are similar. My, my basketball career and this is different. You know what? You know what's different, Jared? I guarantee you those other podcasts, they don't have random openings and introductions like we do at this. At this, with I'm this sure episode. that they don't. I'm sure they don't. Uh, we're recording in the Channel Seed studios, as always. Uh, we do have a follow-up story from last week. You were, you were so hotly on the fishing 
uh, on the fishing trail, you were all in on fishing. You said, Oh, I found my new pastime. I think you'd even said that, it, that fishing had maybe prevented you from buying more golf clubs because you just, you were getting too deep into golf. Uh, what's the update now on the fishing situation? I had a, I had a little incident yesterday, Jared, as, as you know, I sent you a nice little photo. It was a rough day. No tears were shed, but man, was it scary. I, I, I didn't expect to haul in Mike Tyson as a fish and Mike Tyson as a fish was strong. He was a little psychotic and he got the best of me, but you know what? It's, it's, it's done. It's, it's a, it's a, do you done. want to tell us how he got the best of you? You know, just one of those incidents where I was, I was trying to grab the hook out of the mouth and Mike Tyson didn't like it. And where'd the, where'd the hook end up? The hook went into my finger and, uh, had all went all the way through your finger. Yeah. All the way through my finger and then had to make a little trip to the emergency room. Thank God I had my, my girlfriend and Ryan Creener and his wife were all, all there too. So I had a lot of support in my corner. You wouldn't let him just pull it out. I dude, I tried. It was not possible. It wasn't the barb of the, the lure, the hook was like in my finger. So I couldn't rip it out. Like it was in pot. I tried pliers. Dude, it hurt like a motherfucker too. <laughs> I could feel, I could feel the, the, the hook poking under my nail, like under my skin, under my nail. It was the most odd feeling I've ever had in my life. It is on your shooting hand, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is on my, my, actually my, my middle finger too. The one that some would argue the most important finger of them all as a shooter. Oh man. You hate to see it, dude. But we're, we're all good now. It's all no stitches, nothing. It looks brand new still. So they just pulled it out. Okay. Well, this is another store in the emergency room and it was like an hour go by. They're trying to get all my information down and the doctor walks in and he's like, Oh, well, this is kind of embarrassing compared to most of the fishing incidents I have here. I was like, okay, great. This is going to be easy. So little did I know we we're going to have trouble trying to cut the barb off the, the lure. Cause it's such a small, small mm -hmm. hook. So we had to poke it through my finger again and that was miserable. And then we went through five pliers. I kid you not five different pliers to cut the barb off. The doctor's like, sorry, this is really embarrassing. We live in a fishing city and we can't even get flyers to cut off a, a, a hook that's in your body. So an hour went by and the hook was finally off. It was easy though. He just, he cut it off and slid it right out. I was like, are you considering this your retirement from fishing or are you going to be back? Well, it's kind of depressing because I was so, I was so excited. You were this summer, as, as we know from last week, I, I told you a lot of, a lot of positive and I, I was very optimistic about what's out there in the lake for me. And, uh, I think I, it's safe to say, I'm gonna take my talents to, uh, back to golf. <laughs> I love that. It lasted a week. You're like, yeah, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a fisherman now. I honestly wanted to be, I was growing a stash. Like, this stash is thick, Jerry. Look how thick it this is. Thing. It looks good. looks good. Yeah. But I don't think I don't think it's a sport for me. When it jeopardizes my actual career, maybe I should hold off on it for a little bit. I think that's a fair conclusion to come to. Yeah, yeah. Once it, yeah, once your shooting hand be, was in danger, I think that then at that point it's maybe time to hang it up until you feel more comfortable. 
I wish someone would have recorded me in the dock, like as it was in my finger. Because looking back, it was pretty funny. Were you like panicking? Uh, a little bit. Because at one point, I had the I was so I was it was a two lure or the two hook lure. So I had uh-huh. the I don't know what it's called. There's try like the try hooks, and there's two of them. And I got caught with the one that was hooked with the fish. So every time there was a point where I had the fish and the lure all like in both, I had the fish in my left hand and the the lure was in my finger on the right, but it was attached to the fish. So the fish was flopping dude. And I was like, I'm gonna lose my finger. I actually gonna lose my finger because Mike Tyson over here is freaking the fuck out. And I'm like, I was scared of my life. I was like, my career is over as a basketball player. How big of a fish was it? Yeah, it was a, it was a, uh, 20 pound muskie, you know? How big of a fish was it? <laughs> it was a bass. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't a big bass by any means, but it was a bass. It wasn't. A, I don't think it was a largemouth. T- tell me where to stop. Uh, really, probably around there. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it's, it was a day to tell my kids someday. Yeah. D- yeah. Yeah. To, to tell your kids about how your career almost ended because of the because of the fish Mike Tyson. By the time that you tell your kids about it, the fish will be this big. Yeah, I mean the worst part of it is the fish got away. I was like, I ran upstairs to try to like I was trying to put hot water on it and rip it out by myself in the in the bathroom while everyone's messing around with Mike Tyson on the on the dock. And they let the they let the damn bass go. So he's got the he's got the lure in his mouth swimming around and. Uh, probably around the dock. He's just waiting for me to come get him again. He's just waiting for you to come get him again. It, yeah. Yeah. You need to mount him, you know, yeah. like you need to take him out I don't know. to dinner. No, you need oh. to take him out and then eat him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, can you eat bass? I would assume so. Huh. I guess I don't know for certain, but I would assume so. All right. We got plenty of other stuff to get to on today's podcast. You were telling me a story, an NIL story uh, going on at the university of Iowa involving the baseball team. Uh, and then I do want to talk about the, uh, the story that came out this week about the Iowa high school sports network and the Iowa high school athletic association. Uh, and they're kind of going to battle a little bit. I, I saw today that they filed a court petition uh, to prevent the Iowa high school sports network from charging for games uh, as they announced they would earlier this week. But first tell me more about this situation at the university of Iowa. What is this that, uh, that came down last night? Yeah. So uh, last night it was reported that uh, I'll just read a little bit of article. Iowa baseball coach Rick Keller had a meeting on Tuesday, left him feeling sad and frustrated and even a little angry. Um, it was a meeting that Heller had been farewell to Sam Hoyer as a player uh, supposedly they met for 45 minutes and Hoyer told Hel- uh, Heller that he planned to transfer to another school. And basically, uh, he's starting second baseman for Iowa. Um, and supposedly the reason has been that the, the NIL, um, I don't know, collective or where the blame is going to be put, but university of Iowa as a whole couldn't raise enough NIL money for him to stay, uh, at the university of Iowa for the next upcoming year. So he's deciding to transfer and to play his final season somewhere else. Um, a couple of thoughts before before you go. I, baseball is such a weird time right now because I feel like everything's so centric on football and basketball, right? So mm-hmm. it's hard for me to. I mean, obviously, I care. I want I want the kid to stay at Iowa. If he's a Hawkeye, I want them to stay as a Hawkeye. But it's hard for me to understand 
truly how the NIL collective at the University of Iowa collective is that um, aren't as big as a swarm are trying to put their resources somewhere else, right? Like they're going to do their best to get the best players from every sport. But I mean, let's be honest right now, the main, the main focus is basketball and football at every single school across the country. So I don't know what your thoughts are on how like NIL collectives can shift to that because I really don't see a, a, an environment in college athletics where it's able to even shift to putting those resources to another sport. That's not so revenue dominated. Yeah, I mean, I think there certainly are schools, I'm sure, that are are active in that sense. Some of the ones that are playing in Omaha right now, I'm yeah. sure, have been active in uh, in the transfer portal in that way. Uh, the other thing that is a, a different dynamic about baseball than what it is about football and basketball is that those the majority of, of those scholarships are not full scholarships. You know, those are guys that are on, you know, he could have been on a 25% scholarship or a 50% scholarship or whatever it may be. And, you know, that to me is like, as much as NIL could play a factor, maybe it's even that there just wasn't enough scholarship money, you know, for him to feel like comfortable. And he needed something to offset that from an NIL perspective. And if there's nothing there from, from that perspective uh, at the university of Iowa, then you're just kind of in a tough position where you really have no choice, but it's like, if you have to do it, you know, you kind of got to go into the portal. So it's like, I can kind of see both sides just because of the fact that knowing that all scholarships in baseball are not generally full scholarships. Yeah. And what, what's the, you probably know more of the, of the statistics of for baseball. Is it like 11 or 12 technically full scholarships on baseball team? I think it probably is more more on there. I would imagine baseball, uh, 11.7, 11.7. Okay. Yeah. And so they can be sense. divided between a maximum of 27 players. Okay. So there's probably real, there might be much. one or two yeah. that are on right. a full scholarship might be. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's hard. Like, do you think title nine kind of plays a huge impact? I mean, obviously it does, but title, you got to think about some of the sports out there that is divvying up scholarships, right? Obviously I'm all for on things being equal for title nine and, and sports across the, the page. But I think we're going to start running into some issues here where it's going to start heavily impacting a lot of what's going to happen within the next couple of years with college athletics. Yeah. And I, it'll just be interesting to see how much, how much of that trickles into baseball, because I, I think it's hard to have that expectation that it's like, Oh yeah, there's going to be NIL money available for me out there. Like there might be, but only a couple schools that are probably going to be super active in that sense. You know, like I'm sure Texas LSU, like those kinds of schools, I'm sure are really active in, in the NIL area in baseball, but like how many schools really put that many resources into their baseball program that it's going to be that big of a priority. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's kind of what I was kind of trying to get out with this, the swarm at Iowa there. I don't know their breakdown. I haven't really read in too much how their breakdown is for technically for their, their funding they have that goes back the resources back to the, the athletes at the university of Iowa. But I mean, I would imagine it's pretty heavily dominated football and basketball. Like, mm-hmm. It would be hard for me to, to think that some good portion of the resources would go to a sport that's not, bringing in an X amount of revenue for the university of Iowa. I mean, that's just, that's come down to being business, right? Like as much as the nonprofit organizations are going to rise for collectives out there in the United States for college athletics, it's still a business, right? They're going to put the resources in places that's going to make that university more profitable for athletic programs and bring in better talent. So 
I don't know. It, it sucks to see because I want I want the best talent to stay at University of Iowa. Same same as you for Iowa State or any sport, but it, it's becoming a slippery slope, sloping a worse than what it was because where these resources are going to continue to go. And I, I don't know. It, it's there's really well, not it's nothing against this guy. Like I I don't know anything about him, you know, but I don't know how good he is or any of those things. What's his name, image, and likeness worth? Right. You know, like I, it, until you said his name, you said his name and I still, and like, I don't even remember his name, you know, and it's one of those things like, if you're looking for that kind of name, image and likeness, you're probably in the wrong place, you know, mm -hmm. because I just don't think that Iowa baseball is going to ever be that big of a deal that it's going to garner that kind of money, you know? Yeah. And I was reading a statistic, uh, it was an article and they had a statistic about, amount of deals that has been done by division one athletes. And I, I, I was shocked to see what the percentage was. I think it was only, uh, I don't, I want to spew false facts, but it was low, low thirties, high 20% of overall division one athletes, which I was kind of shocked of, right? Like, cause you would think there'd be a lot of like small to mid NIL deals that occur within, you know, the local communities out there for lower programs and mid major programs. Really, if it's twenty five percent, that's really not happening, and that's mm -hmm. not something I envisioned for NIL. Like, I feel like that that stat shows right there of how heavily dominated NIL collectives are, right? Because there's not a lot of third parties out there that are truly like NIL. People are getting it confused now with being paid to play. NIL is solely for the player to go out there and third party and make a contract with a business or someone that wants to work with them to provide. Um, an asset for their business, but that's not happening, right? Like there's just businesses being pooled or donors being pooled to NIL collective. And that's not really considered an NIL. No, it's not an NIL. That's not what it is at all. Like yeah. it's just, it's legal cheating is what right. it is, you know? And, but we should, we should have known this was coming realistically because people were cheating anyway, you know, and they were just going to figure out a way to take their cheating and put it somehow into the framework of this and then call it something else. Yeah. And it's not what it is, you know, like this is not the system that we, that is in place right now is not the system that I think that you fought for, for a long time when you were going through all of this stuff while I, while you were in school. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious too. the schools that are pretty in front of NIL and getting athletes money. Those are probably the schools that have been doing this for a long, long time. Like they, yeah, they it's no surprise new. to me that LSU is pretty, is pretty damn good at spending money on their women's basketball team, yeah. you know, or that they're pretty damn good on spending money on the baseball team. This is the same school that had a coach that was caught on tape by the FBI saying that he made a strong ass offer to a player at, at, as a high school kid, you know, like we know we've been known that LSU was cheating. They were doing it for a long time you know, and now they just happen to be way more advanced at it than everybody else because they've been doing it forever. Yeah. They're pros at it. They're, they're yeah. pros at cheating. They've been pros at cheating. You're exactly right. But that again, as much as I get all these tweets about blaming me for, or people that have fought, not just me, but all these athletes that have fought for NIL and have more rights. I still think it's two things. I, I still think it's okay for these athletes to get money. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong at all. If they're owed and their value is this amount of money, then they deserve it. But for it to go about how it is, the path it's gone, and I granted it's not going to be like this forever. There's going to be a, some some sort of point within the next couple of years it's going to all change again. 
and it's going to be more restrictive and a little more transparent for all these schools across the country. But um, this is on the NCA again. Like they have allowed it to get to this point. They, the new, the new president, Jared, he could have stepped in and created some sort of policy. Like you can't act like you're sitting up there and the board of governors, the NCA haven't talked about trying to fix this. They have, the, they have the ability to like, why are we relying on the schools to continue to cheat legal cheating when they have the ability to fix it right away? Cause they don't want to fix it. They don't, yeah. they know that they can't realistically. It's also gone to point, Jared, like it's anything in life. How do you take away someone's freedoms? Like right. we gave, we've been giving athletes so much freedoms, which I think they deserve because of the amount of, you know, lost compensation. A lot of these college athletes have had throughout the years, hundreds of years because of these universities exploiting them in the NCA. But how do you take away a freedom? That's pre, that's pretty, that's pretty hard to do. Yeah. So I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. I don't know what the answer is either. It's going to be tough. I'm, I'd be interested to see where that guy ends up, you know, I, I don't know. Ho- hopefully he'll end up at LSU or something like that. Cause I just don't think that the NIL market's going to be that as big as what he maybe thinks it is for college baseball. Yeah. I'm curious. To see, I got to look more into the article cause it broke down all the sports too. I would imagine baseball NIL deals are pretty, pretty low percentage of the overall percentage that was given. Like, I don't imagine other than, you know, the SEC schools being big into, you know, Texas, obviously, the big, some of the big 12 schools as well, being hugely connected to paying, paying a lot of money to these baseball players. See, and that's why, like, this kind of, you know, you, you threw that stat out there about the number of people that have signed name, image, and likeness deals. That's why, to me, like, a thing like the, you know, and we've talked about this however many weeks in a row, like the NCAA football video games, they wanted to make a college basketball video game, like any of those kinds of things, an opportunity where like all these people can make money and how, think how much that would boost up those kind of percentages where you can all of a sudden you have 100% or close to it in one sport that like everybody's got at least one NIL deal. Like that would be, that would be good, you know, to me, because that's actual name, image and likeness at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to be, let's be honest again, like the, there's probably four to seven players, four to eight players, maybe on every sport across the page that are truly like the national known names. Mm-hmm. Like people know who they are, right? Like you can even go to like gymnastics. Like there's some of these huge gymnastics girls on social media that people know of. There's huge baseball players that people know of same thing with football, basketball, like there's a lot of known people, but the people that are national brands that people that companies are going to throw money behind actual, you know, third party companies coming in and throwing behind is such a low, low, low percentage where, you know, NIL collective, we're going to have to be a thing. Right. Well, well yeah. And, and the reality is too, like people like the Cavender twins, Livy Dunn, like they've done such great work to be able to build their own brands in a, and it's like, the sports stuff is almost secondary, you know, Mm -hmm. like obviously they're great at their sport as well, but they've done a great job to build their own personal brand to where then they can capitalize on that. And that was what for the longest time was so stupid is that you couldn't build your own brand and capitalize on it in any way. Like you couldn't have a TikTok and monetize it. You know, you couldn't be on YouTube and monetize it or Snapchat or whatever it may be. And that's what they've done is such a good job of is being able to monetize those things. And like, and then also, Oh, by the way, Levy Dunn's a world-class gymnast. The Cavender twins are both really good basketball players. Like those things are, are obviously not secondary to who they are, but they are secondary in the conversation of what they're doing from a business standpoint, because they've done great things to build their own businesses. 
Yeah, and I always use this is a great segue into what I wanted to say with Caitlin Clark and Megan Gustafson. Megan Gustafson was what Caitlin Clark is now, right? So people that knew Iowa basketball knew how big of a presence Megan Gustafson was at Iowa. Like she she practically changed the game of Iowa basketball, women's basketball before Caitlin Clark did. But she did it without NIL. So she didn't get as much notoriety. She didn't, she had as much value because she was so, so restrictive on what she could do. She could have she could have been a millionaire when she was at uh, playing basketball when, at, at the University of Iowa. I think the amount of people that came to watch her play to come to watch the Univers- University of Iowa women's play because of her and what she was able to do with that team to get them to new heights that was never there before. Like she changed Iowa basketball trajectory. And then Caitlin Clark came in and perfect timing. Like NIL opened up and she blew up as a national no name. Like I don't think she would have blown up as much as she did Caitlin Clark if it wasn't for NIL. Granted, she would have at some capacity, but NIL opened up a huge another segue for her in her life of doing things off the court that she she wouldn't have been in commercials with Nike. She wouldn't have been in commercials with Gate or uh um What's the other one? A high V. Like mm-hmm. she wouldn't be in those commercials and people knowing as a household name now, if it wasn't for NIL, like you can't tell me a lot of these families would um, know who Kaylin Clark was. Like she's everywhere now. And that's, that's a lot part for obviously her phenomenal playing style and what she's been able to do at the university of Iowa. But that's also NIL opening up too. Yeah, for sure. All right. Pivoting on to the next thing, uh, Bob Huggins out as the head coach at West Virginia, resigning after he was arrested for a, a DUI on Saturday, early Saturday morning. Everybody by now knows the story. We all know the situation. Uh, name, image, and likeness played in heavily into what West Virginia did during this offseason with the transfer class that they were able to put together. What uh, if you're a player? You know, go into your put your player hat on, put this mindset in. What's your reaction if you're in this type of situation as someone who's transferring into that program? Room right now well i just feel bad for i, I, I feel bad for the young guys i feel yeah, bad for these guys yeah. i feel really bad and obviously i have a close friend that that's there and joe toussaint um and i the amount of times i spoke to spoke to joe and how much he respected the hell out of bobby huggins like he was a guy that everyone idolizes that they play for from what i've been hearing and i've only had an interaction with him one time so i don't know him too well but any person i've ever talked to that's played for him or knows him personally has phenomenal things to say about him um however you can't you can't be a leader and and do the things you're doing and that's been coming down to i mean we talked about this throughout the whole college basketball season right of all the insanely idiotic things coaches were doing back in this winter and this ties along with the same thing like i don't mean no disrespect to the huggins family and and him personally he's a he's a hall of fame coach for a reason but you can't be a leader and do things like you're doing like mm-hmm. you got to have more respect for the guys you're trying to lead to be better, better young men. Like how are you going to preach this your whole life and do the things you have done this past two months? Like it's, it's not right. And it's not fair for these players. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you saw the Facebook post that his daughter had, which obviously like, obviously Bob Huggins, daughter is going to defend Bob Huggins, you know, obviously, but she wrote on there that he had offered to go to rehab for 60 days and then come back and coach the team. And I'm sorry, but that to me is not like a, it, it just doesn't say what I think it, they think it says, you know, head men's basketball coaches at the power five level probably should not be going to rehab for 60 days before they come back to coach their team. Like that just is the way that it is. If mm-hmm. he has a problem, he needs to go and get his problem resolved 
and be able to fix it and be better for himself. And then he can come back and coach basketball and be the best And like, but that to me is what it, it tells me that they maybe didn't quite understand the situation as, or, or didn't understand the severity of the situation. There is no other way, or there is no other conclusion that this could have come to than Bob Huggins, not being their head coach anymore. After this, after this situation and the situation with being on the radio in Cincinnati, there is no other conclusion that could have been come to. No, he got, he got his chance. He got his second chance that everyone is talking about that they deserve. And I don't know, man, it goes back to, I guess I'll put my player cap on again. Like if I'm a player and, and let's say I go through, you know, some issues that he might be going through, whether with whatever it is, alcohol or whatever, and I asked to go 60 days on rehab, how many teams are going to keep that player? And how many reporters are going to fry that kid for being a, not a great kid and want him off the team? And he's more than likely going to get kicked off the team. No coach is going to keep a player like that. None of right. them. They're going right. to look for someone better, just like they always do. So for once, I think this is an instance where coaches are starting to try to get to a higher held to a higher standard because it goes back to what I'm saying. They're, they're trying to lead 18 to 22 year olds right now. And 18 to 22 year old is pretty, that's a, like one of the most important times in your life. You're figuring out who you are as a person. You're going to, have to go through mistakes. You're going to, have to go through failures. Like no one's perfect at that age, but man, when you don't have a leader that's able to guide you down a road to be a better young men, then there's an issue. And I, I, I think, no, I personally thought he should have been fired after his comments, but I'm, I'm not huge in the cancel culture, but um, I, th- I think it was the right decision for West Virginia after, after what happened the second time. It'll be interesting to see what happens with this roster they've put together. If, in, if all those guys elect to stay uh, now that they, they have the opportunity to reenter the transfer portal, uh, I would imagine that there would be some significant mon- monetary, mm, uh, I guess, uh, uh, carrots out there to chase if any of those guys did elect to go back into the portal yeah i, I i'm spacing on this guy's name the player's name i believe his name's jose perez I'm yeah not, jose perez from manhattan yeah. yeah i feel bad for him because he's on his third school in three years of having a coach either leave or um get he fired. was the one who was at, Ma- at manhattan that when they fired their coach two weeks before the season yeah yeah i just i feel really bad for that kid because as much as we want to talk about insane, insanely scenarios to, to bend the rules for some athletes to get more freedoms in college athletic space, this shit happens like that. This he's probably not the first kid this happened to, but this is the first time it's happened on a, on a big scale and people are reporting about it. So I feel really bad for him because I know personally going through recruiting and how much stress that is and being you know away from your family and understanding what your job is and being a college athlete like that that's a really really hard thing to do as 18 to 22 year old so uh, i give my blessings to him and i hope he, he finds a, a good path to move forward because that I, I can't imagine the stress he is under yeah i can't imagine the stress that any of these guys are under this would be a tough situation i it'll be interesting to see who they hire i in my mind, I feel like the best thing is, is to hire whoever is going to be able to keep the roster together and keep that group together as best you can. But I can understand too, if they don't want to go the interim route or something like that, and and they want to hire a coach right away. Like, I think I could see both sides of it. I got a recommendation. I, uh, I would love to get John Beeline back into college basketball, get him in for a few years, get that program right ship. He won't be there for 20 years, right? Like he's older. But man, he is, 
I tell everyone this. He was one of my favorite coaches I've ever played against, and I I respect the hell of him because I think he is one of the best coaches to ever come through college basketball. He did it the right way. He had phenomenal teams. Really had didn't have a lot of issues in his programs. Like he, I think he's still with the Detroit Pistons and player development. Maybe um, I saw him when we were playing Detroit Pistons G League team, and I had a great conversation with him. I was like, man, you you need to get back in college basketball. Beeline, like you are, you are a legend. I, so that's my bow. Had great success at West Virginia already. Proven yep. success. Uh, I would think if you hire him, I would think if you hire him, he would be able to lead that roster in a good direction at yeah. the very least. You know, and if he's willing in, to come back. Yeah, yeah, and I'll bring in like an assistant coach that's going to be ready to take his reins. Like he, he's a very smart individual. I, I just think it's a no-brainer hire. If I'm if I'm athletic director, which I hope to God I never am because that can be just a miserable job. I'm sure trying to hire these people, but that's the first guy I would look at an interview. I don't care how old he is. We just need a guy to just get things figured out for a few years. That is it. All right. Uh, real quick, before we get to our last story, I want to tell you guys all about hinterland music festival coming up August 4th through the 6th, uh, down in St. Charles, Iowa, just South of Des Moines. We've talked about it a bunch. Bonnie Vare, Zach Bryan, Maggie Rogers, the headliners. Uh, music and camping passes are available now at hinterlandiowa.com. Uh, what's your – the closer we get, what's your excitement level? You are, How many times do I get to say it? Zach Bryan, man, I don't care how many times people are going to get annoyed for people that are listening to our show. He will change your life. I, I truly believe it. He's changed mine through his music. And the fact that Iowa has him in the state of Iowa, like that is special and something that, I mean, he's a, he's going to be a hall of fame singer. Like he already is in country music, but he's, he's changed. He's changed country music for the rest of, I think country eternity for people who listen to it. I want to go out there and camp. We should go camping out there. I was trying to look at the map setup. I'm so confused on how it's set up. You got to explain it to me a little bit. So there's immerse like, yourself in immerse yourself in the weekend of music by sleeping in the Iowa countryside in an ephemeral community of other hinterland campers. What's ephemeral mean? I don't know. There's a lot of words I don't know, Jared. You should. That's know. in my notes. In my notes here about the ephemeral lasting for a very short time. Hmm. But it looks like there's camping grounds. There's like showers. There's like then there's the show set. And there's like playgrounds. I don't know. Yeah. Looks sick. Well, yeah, they have a whole kids area. They're going to have Cuckoo Kangaroo yeah. uh, performing at the kids area, who I read today is a combination of the Beastie Boys meets Sesame Street. Ooh, what a description. Yeah. I've always wondered who – have you read those uh, descriptions of, like, uh, albums on yeah. Apple Music? Whoever writes those is – an extraordinary mind like people that have never read one before you got to go and read one because i'm like you're throwing out words that just fit perfectly like i feel like i'm reading a poem right now yeah there's nobody that does a better job of using really big random words than like music reviewers people that are in the music world they always will this is a captivating (laughs) or something like that uh you know uh i can't think i think i'm trying to think of another one uh i don't know if you went up and you got on Apple music right now and you looked up a Kanye West album, there would be at least five, five syllable words somewhere in the description of the album. I got to look up one now. Look up uh, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy or something like that and read the description of it. Kanye West. Okay. 
Oh, I'm losing the description. Where'd I go? No. No. Why can't I do it? It's okay. The moment passed. The no, moment the passed. Moment no. I don't even know where you go now. How did I find that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't use Apple Music. I'm a Spotify guy. I'm triggered, dude. There's no way. All right. Our last story. Uh, the Iowa High School Athletic Association on Thursday filed a court petition uh, to prevent the Iowa High School Sports Network from charging viewers for live-streamed high school championship games. For the last several years, the Iowa High School Sports Network has been uh, streaming the state championship events for free on the internet, uh, but we're starting with the state baseball tournament July 17th through the 21st. A single game will cost $9, or viewers can pay it a, uh, an entire uh, pay for the entire tournament for 1899. Uh, the network is, holds the media rights for the nonprofit IHSAA and is, uh, is like I said, has been providing the free viewing access to state tournaments for via television and streaming formats. This uh, all comes from the Des Moines register on Wednesday. Uh, the IHSAA said in a statement on Twitter, the IHSAA will continue to strive for free public access to broadcasts of its championship events. Uh, it kind of goes into the legal side of this. I, I think this is actually a really important story. Um, there is no reason for anybody that lives inside the state of Iowa to have to pay to watch a Iowa high school state championship event. I don't care if that means that they're on Iowa public television. I don't care if that means that they're streamed live on the internet somewhere, but there is no way that anybody who lives within the state of Iowa should have to pay to watch these games on a, especially like, if you're someone who lives in rural, in a rural area, maybe you can't stream or you can't do some of those kinds of things. Like this is just bullshit and it's stupid and it's, there is no way that they can't make enough money off the advertising revenue of selling this, these events because of how much people want to support high school athletics and they want to support the athletes in our state for them to be able to go and make this move is a money grabbing move. And it's not going to go back to the athletes. It's not going to go back to the athletic association. And it's really, really unfortunate that anyone ever made this idea because I just think, I think that we should know better about now. Uh, there is no reason to be charging for Iowa high school sporting events, uh, to be charging for really for high school sporting events in general, because it's starting to take away from what these things are really supposed to be. And it's taking away from the athletes and it's just making it harder on everybody who wants to support these athletes at a, at the high school level. That's my is soapbox. It, is it uh yeah, you should write a album cover, uh, descriptions. <laughs> um, is this just strictly for state tournament games? Well, yeah, for everything. Yeah, for all of the state championships, football, basketball, track, baseball, all that stuff. And keep in mind, the Iowa High School Girls Athletic Union does not charge for anything. All of their games are still broadcast on Iowa Public Television and are still broadcast live for free on YouTube as well. Well, I'll tell you one thing. We all know how long it took for the the sport of basketball to change the rules for a lot of certain instances, like the shot clock's finally put in, obviously. But there's just a lot of – I don't know the right words here, but I, I, I think my biggest issue is we're turning something into try to be revenue-producing when it's exactly what you're saying. It's not for that. It's for the mm -hmm. kids. It's for an opportunity for them to get to the next level. This isn't doing anything to help them. This is only doing something to help that organization. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see, I have to do a little more research off this episode. Maybe you know about it more, but 
is the Iowa Athletic Association is that a is that a nonprofit? Is that it is? Yeah, the Iowa High School Athletic Association is a nonprofit. And is it a um, is it through the government? Is it government funded? No, I don't believe so. Okay. No. All right. I think uh, this is another example of what we're losing our values of for the younger kids, right? And I think this will go down to people might think I'm crazy for making this a full circle uh, observation, but this is a big issue with what's going on with our younger generation. Cause I think there is actually a serious issue with kids wanting to work harder, wanting to be better, wanting to get to the next level and holding their true values of how they were raised on, whether that's, you know, attending church, whether that's, you know, being nice to others, being respectful to others, being respectful to your higher ups, whatever. I think this is another example of people getting in the way of money, right? Like money is getting in the way of our society. It's ruining a lot of, our kids' futures, right? You look at the AU circuit, money's ruining it, right? Like th- there's families involved that shouldn't be involved. There's kids involved that shouldn't be on these teams because their dad has money, their mom has money. You know, it goes down every single industry, every single facet of these kids' lives. And it's ruining on how exactly they should get to the next level, how exactly, what should be exactly centered around these kids. And I think it's damaging, dude. I really think it, it is. You're exactly right. It, it's hurting it's hurting a lot of different aspects of not only Iowa sports, but a lot of these Iowa kids that um, they're looking at this, man. Like, how do you, how, how are we the same thing I was looking at? What is a college athlete, right? Like how is all these people making these money? And I, I'm not, mm-hmm. is that really what we want to put in question when they're 14, 18 year old kids? Like, how is that? How is that something you want to do? I think the best thing that can happen at this point is for somehow for the high school athletic association to get hold of their rights again, get their rights back because this has been a constant issue. There was the issue a couple of years ago where all the games were on uh, Comcast sports net Chicago and like half the counties in Iowa don't get Comcast sports net Chicago. They've been making bad deals consistently making bad deals that I feel are actively hurting Iowa high school athletics. And at this point, there is no way that that people in all 99 counties of the United or of the state of Iowa should have access to these games. I don't care what needs to be done to get it done, but there has to be a way for it to happen because that is it's about being able to support the athletes that are playing in these events. And it's about your grandma who can't get to the game, being able to watch you play uh, in Fort Dodge in the state softball tournament. It's about your your uncle who lives in uh, in Dubuque being able to watch you play in uh, in the state basketball tournament or play at principal park or, or your uncle who lives in California, being able to watch your, these kids that are playing in the greatest moment of their lives to that point and preventing people from being able to witness those things is just, it's unfortunate. And it's all about trying to get money out of it when you could have this product be free and, and there is a way to monetize it. It just needs to be done in the right way. And it, it's just unfortunate. Yeah. And it's obviously, it wasn't exactly went about the right way if this is how we ended up right like there is definitely you're yeah if, if the if the rights like the thing that is the rights or creates the rights the media rights is taking the rights holder to court over something then something has been done in a bad fashion yeah. i i think yeah. yeah i mean anything that ends up in court you'd think there was an issue on one side of the party one mm-hmm. or one way or the other but no i i just go back to i don't know why money has to be such a a big um, barricade on doing what's right. 
And you know, you're exactly right with every single person should have the ability on 99 counties to watch their kid or someone play across the state at some point in their lives and shouldn't have to be about a revenue producing, um, monetization, but I don't know, man, I, I, I guess, I guess, I don't know. I feel like the biggest issue is always just money being involved with anything and it's ruining people's perception of, of what's, what's truly good for society. Mm -hmm. I think that is a fair conclusion to come to. All right, man. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Okay. I do. I do have uh, one last thing. I, I, oh, okay. I uh, Bob Dylan shadow kingdom album. I just want oh, okay. to this last paragraph. Let's do it. At 79, his sexual urgency sounds both funnier and more mortal than it did 50 years ago. 50 years earlier, I'll be your baby tonight. And his cosmic ease validated by the long road already behind him when I paint my masterpiece. In the absence of drums, four guitars organize themselves around an upright bat bass and an accordion whose ready wheeze rustles in the drapes like a ghost. Oh, my God. Who writes this stuff? These people are electric writers. Oh my gosh. That gives me goosebumps. I don't even know what I just read and I got goosebumps. Yeah. It's a Bob Dylan album review. Insane. Insane. All right, man. You good? I'm great. Are you good? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys again next week. Peace. Iowa everywhere.